I am, that you are, uh, just kidding. I know we've had some technical issues this morning. I thought I'd continue to freak out our wonderful volunteers. And just kind of remind you, you plan things and you want them to go a certain way. We have problems going on with our board today right now. There's things that just happen you don't foresee. In fact, with that in mind, I was so excited about this Sunday. We've planned for it for months that we would have this celebration together, together. And yet we're deployed today. We're not together in the room and we know it will be a while really before we can all collectively engage together. But at the same time, that will not prevent us from celebrating. We're in this final week of a series we've titled Finding Joy. And we've talked about it through the whole series, looked biblically at how God calls us and invites us to be people of joy. And today we're gonna conclude the series looking at the joy of what it means to celebrate together that God himself ordained this rhythm through the year for Israel of celebration. And I simply wanna go right now to the scriptures, to two passages in the Old Testament, the Hebrew scriptures that speak of one particular feast, one particular time they were to come together. So we're in Deuteronomy 16, and I want you to hear these words and get a picture of this very feast. Moses writes, for seven days celebrate the festival to the Lord your God at the place the Lord your God will choose. For the Lord your God will bless you in all of your harvest and in all of the works in your ha- of your hands and your joy will be complete. There was this rhythm of festivals God gave Israel throughout the year. There were spring festivals, there was Passover, there was first fruits, there was then the feast called of Shavuot of weeks. And each one had its own role in the life of Israel. In fact, in case you don't know this, these feasts that we may go, oh, that's, the, that's Israel, that's the Old Testament, all find fulfillment in Jesus. Passover itself is this feast they celebrated of the Exodus that this, these lambs were slain in order for the angel of death to pass over and the waters were parted that they went from death to life, from slavery to freedom. And Jesus, when he comes, becomes the Passover lamb, literally dies as they're celebrating this feast, even as they're sacrificing lambs to remember that he died to bring us from slavery to freedom, from death to life. They move ahead to the feast of first fruits. Several days later, it's the beginning of what they call the harvest. The first time they get a reckoning of something new, Jesus rises on that day. And then fast forward to some weeks later, when the festival comes again and the feast, what we call now Pentecost, when God changes his address from the temple to the followers of Jesus, that the spirit lives in us now. In the same way, there are these fall feasts and I won't go through it today, but I believe they will speak and give picture to the second coming of Christ. We, we see how God orchestrates beautifully and wonderfully, not even necessarily to the timing, but just the beauty of the feast itself. So this is the feast of harvest. And simply it's the time of year that Israel came together with everything they'd done all year and they celebrate what God has provided. They're reminded of the trust they're having in him through they celebrate in this agricultural society all that he's done. Everything's centered around agriculture. That's why Jesus uses those metaphors because it's what they know. He talks about seeds and planting and sowing and reaping and death and life all through what's around them. Now this festival has even more meaning. While it says here it will be complete as we celebrate, in fact, what we would say is joy uncelebrated is joy incomplete. In 
another setting of text in Leviticus, it gives even more definition to the same festival, this festival of harvest, this festival of Sukkot. It's beautiful. In the verse before, it says it will begin with Sabbath and end with Sabbath, and then there's seven days in between. Israel built their entire culture around these times of rest and celebration. Sabbath was a weekly. Each festival came, and this fall festival was one to be celebrated uniquely, taking branches from luxuriant trees, palms and willows and other leafy trees, and rejoice before the Lord your God for seven days. Now, this word rejoice is a commandment. What Moses is telling them, what God's telling them through Moses is, guess what? When you get to the time of looking at all that's happened in the year of everything that's come about, you need to rejoice. Now, I don't mean this in the sarcastic way. In fact, you probably have this. It kind of drives me nuts. People, when you're going somewhere, will often say, hey, have a great day. And you're like, that feels like a lot of pressure. I have to have a great day? It kind of is demanding. It's just a cliche we say, but we don't really mean it. Just kind of like, hey, I hope things go well for you. Not like this. This, God is saying to us, rejoice. Celebrate what's happened. Everything that's come in this year, give thanks for. It may might not be the way you hoped it would be, but what it gives to us is a trust in God. We look back at what he's provided. We do that as a church, and that's what we wanna do today. Maybe to encourage all of us, even in the midst of being deployed and isolated, let's celebrate what God's been doing. Let's look together at how he's moving. And make no mistake, the idea of rejoicing before the Lord is a statement that he's the one who gives us everything, who provides. Remember, this is agricultural. This is how they see life and they celebrate in the physical what God's doing both physically and supernaturally. Paul writes about this in his letter to the church in Corinth. He says this, I planted seed, Apollos Apollos watered it. He's speaking of humans, of people that lead. And then he says, but God has been making it grow. So neither one who plants or the one who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. One of the facets Israel learned, which I think we often forget, is they understood that they could plant and they could water and that was their role. But unless God moved, unless the rains came, unless the the culture and the atmosphere changed, nothing would grow. You see, God's the one who transforms. And so these feasts aren't simply celebrating what they have, it's celebrating what God has done and is doing. And that's what we wanna do today. In fact, if you take this as a metaphor for us, it's simply this. We rejoice when we see growth because God makes stuff grow. We rejoice when we see growth because God makes stuff grow. If we simply, in our own lives, look at our achievements and what goes on, we begin to think we cause it. But when we understand in our own lives that we just work at things and God's the one who infuses and provides and develops and grows things in, through, and for us. As a church, we wanna do that together today. I wish we could just have a big sharing time and do that, and in fact, you can do some of that even as we go through stories that are just pictures and examples of what God's been doing among us that we, by kind of one example and one picture, get to celebrate all that we see in that area. And I'll invite you wherever you are in either on Facebook Live or on our website, when you get a reminder of something God's done, both in the life of the church and in your own, man, post it right on there that we would be encouraged and infused 
as we look at how God makes stuff grow. With that in mind, I simply wanna share some stories with you, give you some pictures of how God's been moving in and among us, examples that fit the broader context of who we are and what God's been doing in this life of ours. And I wanna say this before I even get to the stories. You know, I thought about these last couple of months. It's been a really strange time, as you know, to not see any of you, to not be able to interact and care for each other physically, just to be present in life, to have to do things over virtual environments. And yet in the midst of it, I'm celebrating that I've watched your faith deepen. I've watched you engage more deeply in the life of prayer and pursuing God yourself. I've watched you and continue to watch you reaching out and asking how you can help others. I'm watching you in your generous hearts provide for the church, for those in need, for those around you. And I'm just celebrating that God is moving. He's making stuff grow in you. And so I want you, even as we share these stories, to be reminded you're part of this. This is our story together. We come together to celebrate what God's doing. Let me start with this one. It's a story about a friend of ours named Bill who's part of our church. Bill grew up in a broken home, in a home with great anger kind of permeating the climate through all the pain that had been on, in a home he would describe where alcohol was the bondage they lived in. Not only would he grow up in this environment that was deeply painful, that was not validating of his own struggle, that you might say anger grew as a cover for all the pain that was there. But Bill then described pain that continued as he would lose his dad to cancer, two of his siblings to death by suicide. Ultimately, in the midst of Bill's brokenness and in his addiction, he would end up through a friend being part of us. He would begin to discover the freedom and the joy of the Lord. And yet even in that, he would be drawn back into this struggle as his mom would then be diagnosed with dementia as he would care for her and he would return to the self-medicating because it was just too painful to face. Bill described one particular day when he ended up on his knees and just cried out to God, I don't know what to do, I need you. And something would shift in that surrender and despair the next day, he would end up at AA and continue on that track. He would come back in the midst of this family of believers and begin to engage. And then not doing it alone anymore, he would begin to build what he called an orchestra of support that John Bontrager would walk with him in ongoing kindness and mentorship. He would meet with Pastor Ralph to begin to process through these pains and struggles. And he would say, even now, I'm struggling, but I know this, the devil wants me to live in isolation. Oh, but God's moving. I'm three months into this. I've lost tremendous amounts of weight. I'm feeling much better than I ever did before. And God has gotten a hold of me and I never want to lose that or let go. And we go, Bill is a story, very simply, of the radical love of Jesus. It's our story, it's his story. And Bill's is one example of the many things God's doing among us. In this last year, we have seen 49 people that have told us about coming to faith. We know there've been many more, but they haven't reported back. They've raised hands, but not told us. We've only counted those we could. The recommitments, many who have had major life change, almost 70 of you. And boy, the baptisms, 37 in one day alone, 20 people. And man, we give thanks and celebrate. We rejoice, because guess what? God's the one who moves and grows stuff. 
man, we rejoice because we see that God moves and grows stuff in us. I know we can't cheer together. I wish we could. I'm glad even in your homes, if today you just get up sometime and cheer, man, even video it. Take a short clip and post that baby of you guys cheering on what's happened. You might even find different things to do. Maybe you'll celebrate Bill in a certain way. When I hear the name Bill, all I think of, sadly, is Caddyshack and the old Billy Baroo. Billy, 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 Billy. And I just want to go, Billy, 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 Billy. Man, I'm celebrating what God's done in your life. I want a million more Bills, a million more of us to find the radical love of Jesus in the coming year. The stories don't end there. They just begin. And I wish I could tell you all of them. We're just going to be able to share a few. Let me tell you about Allison and Ray. Allison and Ray came together after both going through devastating endings of marriages, places they both valued and longed to stay in and were thrust out of in the midst of brokenness and harm in their own first marriages. They would end up together finding new life and even say it's this grace they experienced that they found it together, both with some background of faith. Allison, more active, much more for Ray, one that had some baggage and difficulty with how people had been and hypocrisy he'd seen. Allison would end up part of our church, engaging in our campus at Coopersville. She would hear the conversations about one life and immediately said this simple thought. I'm praying for my husband. That God would get a hold of him and move him towards who Jesus is. Allison would join a women's group and not be alone. She'd be in community. She continued to pray for her husband and his boys as they were blending a family together. And as she began to pray, things didn't just dramatically change. But one day in her group, the women gathered around her. They laid hands on her and they prayed over her. And she describes something profound and dramatic happening, a sense of God's peace and presence and power. Soon after that, Ray and his boys would join her in church. She'd go, God moves. They would pray for other things from custody struggles to other circumstances and messes. But the one pray she kept praying was for baptism. I just want our family to really solidify being in him. It would ultimately lead to the entire family getting baptized. <laughs> Tell me that's not a moving moment when a whole family responds and we see a trajectory of change as one enters into the life of community and grows, others begin to come around and grow together. In fact, we say it this way, that we, growing, we are growing together in Christ. We say we're radically loving and growing together, that God moves to grow us, not alone, but in community. And Allison and Ray's story gives us a picture of that. We celebrate not just their story, but in case you don't know, this year we began in our community life with about 29 groups and we went to 51 this year. Community expanded because many of you said, I need to not do this alone. I will grow better together. We will grow better together. We saw 51 more people become members that said, I wanna be part of this community. And we simply celebrate that today. Maybe there's a way you can celebrate that even where you are. As I said before, do some kind of hooping and hollering, make some kind of gesture and even just post it. We are all sure as we're celebrating, even put something like that with it. We love the hashtag, we are all sure as we'd love to know how you're celebrating with us. I wish we could cheer in the room and I did decided not to bring my cheer track out this time like I brought the laugh track last week. But man, we're seeing God move among us.
Let me continue. Let me tell you about the Manzer family, about Mike and Rachel and their kids. Mike and Rachel are school teachers thrown into what many of us are, many of you are, where their work went home while they manage kids and continue to do it. The plight of so many in our community and culture. Along that going on with them and their children, they began collectively to have this ache in their own neighborhood. I don't know if it was the kids reaching out or them, but they began to sense a call to the neighbors around them and even begin to say, how can we help? And the kids played the primary role in this. Mike and Rachel talked regularly about how their kids began to befriend the neighbor kids and how they began to engage together and be together and walk together. It would ultimately lead them to discovering more about some plights of one neighbor in particular, about in need of a miracle and great tragedy and struggle going on. They began to cry out for their neighbors. They even asked others in our community, our family to cry out. And in the midst of that, something changed and they saw a miracle. But I love even more, though the miracle is beautiful, what they said about what they've seen. I wanna read it to you because it was so wonderful. They said this, first of all, about their kids. Our kids have been the biggest ministers in this time. You know, God tells us to become like children and they've watched And we celebrate that our kids often lead us, not just in this situation, but in many, we get inspired by how God's moving in the lives of our children. And somehow it calls us to be more like Jesus. And then what they said to follow, it wasn't something profound we did, it was just being willing to take action in the moment. Saying, hey, we're here. It's nothing special, just being present, just being involved, just being neighbors. Man, we celebrate one story that can be exemplary of our entire church. And we've said this is such a priority for us that we want to grow in the very art of neighboring. We started these groups last week, this online study, many of them throughout the week of the art of neighboring. We have over 110 people involved in the the four-week study that have showed up already. We have more that we believe can. And we would say to you, if you're not in, you can still jump in. All you have to do is go back to Right Now Media, watch week one. It's a short video, about 10 minutes, that will engage you in your own pursuit of becoming a neighbor that blesses and reaches out and jump into a group. You can join my group. We're on Wednesday nights from 7 to 7.30. It's a short commitment. The hosts even now are posting the link to register for that. We would love to have you join us because God has called all of us to be wonderful neighbors to each other. Love the Lord your God and love your neighbor as yourself. So grateful the Manzers have given us just a simple picture of this. That's what we get our pictures from each of you and how we can live differently, how we can actually live out this passionate, beautiful mission God calls us to live out. We rejoice as we see the harvest of what God has done and we say God's the one who makes stuff change, who grows things. We simply plant and water. Let me give you another picture. I have several more for you. This is Tammy and her friend, Annie. Tammy worked with Annie for some time and in the course of working together, Tammy kept hearing this idea, this thought of the spirit prompting us and leading us. She knew Annie was going through difficulty. She heard Annie speaking of her being alone and with somewhat difficult interaction with others. And she heard the prompting of the Lord, just a thought, walk with her. Walk with her, walk with her. 
Tammy would reach out to Annie. She would walk with her through this cancer, this significant external destruction. And she would watch something change in Annie. As Paul writes, though, we're wasting away in our bodies. We're being renewed in our spirit. She watched Annie get renewed. Annie would then join her as a part of our campus in Coopersville. Annie would recommit her life to Christ and would ultimately begin to restore and engage in friendships around her and would enter eternity with Jesus, not alone, but in connection and in compassion and in relationship with others. Tammy didn't just look at her as a friend or an acquaintance. She looked and she saw a redemptive relationship. It's how we wanna live in every relationship. We're not simply saying, do you know Jesus or you do you don't? We're saying in every relationship, God invites us to be part of helping others move towards Jesus and discovering who he is. We simply ask this question, how can I help you take a next step towards Jesus? We, we may not ask it directly. The way we may ask it is, Holy Spirit, what do you want to do in this moment and how can I be part of joining you? That's what Tammy did. She just joined what the Lord was doing and transformed a life and many around it and around her because she was willing to step out and see this relationship as redemptive. I know it's one of many. I think of every interaction that you have, every opportunity you have can be a redemptive relationship. And we just give thanks already for what God's done because it's God who brings about growth. But we give thanks for the way you've got seed and you've planted and you've been watering. And we give thanks for every one of your stories. And again, remind you, even post one of those stories to us. Let others see and hear what God's been doing. Well, as we know, not everything goes well in life and Tammy would go through some other difficulties. In the midst of a rainy season, not our current one, her side of her home through all this washing away, the foundation would erode. And this is the side of her house that was just broken away. It caved in, it destroyed appliances from her furnace to her air conditioner to her water softener and water heater. She was left without insurance to help because those are not the kind of things insurance responds to or can. But one young man, Andrew, heard a whisper. In the midst of her story, he heard God say, I want you to help. Andrew would begin to come, would bring others along and pretty soon a whole community would walk with Tammy through this, our own Carla, would be the one to help organize what was going on in the home. Though Tammy had helped others bringing them in their home, now she would be displaced with her own. Yet the church would rally around her and the community would, meeting needs. God's not just a God of spiritual, he's a God of physical. God moves among us. And one of the facets we are always thankful for is that you are a church who's always serving those in need. And while I can't tell all the stories, let me just give you a picture of this last year. Just through your giving to those in need, we have been able to dispense over $108,000 to help people. Our food pantry has served over 600 families. In fact, over 300 just in the last few months. Our food truck has served 387 families in the different campuses we're at. And we have an ministry that gives out packs of food each week to kids that are under-resourced in different schools, 70 packs a week, you help us give to people. Being the hands and the feet of Jesus, serving those in need. 
oh man, I wish we were a full room because it's really hard to sit here alone and just hear the crickets. Man, I hope you are cheering at home. I hope you're cheering with me because this is what makes life different. And guess what? No pandemic, no isolation, no even midst of chaos and all our different perspectives on it will ever shake that. Because guess what? We plant and we water, but God causes things to grow. And we celebrate in joy. We rejoice at the growth we see and we know it's God who makes stuff grow. That's what we're doing today. That's what we're giving picture of. And we want you to continue in this path with us. We don't simply serve those around us. I love this picture because it's a story of two of our families in the church. This is Kennedy and Noah Reynolds. They felt a calling to go to Thailand to serve those in need overseas and went. This is Rich and Deb Steinhardt who have a calling to shepherd people who are serving around the world. And this is a Zoom call between the two of them as these two are following their calling and these two are following theirs. They're working together to support and encourage. And Rich and Deb are preparing to go to Europe to do this for all sorts of missionaries. It's a picture of how you, how our church doesn't simply say what can be around us, but the world matters. And how can we prioritize what's going on all over the world, not just here? When I look at what's happened in our global outreach over the last year, we know Noah and Kennedy have ended up in Thailand. We know Rich and Deb are called to Europe. Dave Woodrum is in the process of becoming a global partners missionary. We have one already in the hopper as Audrey Gray also continues on her path. We have new missionaries in the Turkic Arabic region that are becoming partners. A new ministry now to international students at GVSU. And in case you don't know, our global arm, what we've been doing through your global giving, we were able to give $20,000 of surplus to those in Asia and area churches in the midst of this mess. Wow. I gotta tell you, I am so pumped to be part of a church that doesn't say it's either global or it's local, it's either this or that, or we're just the chosen few that you say we will help those in need near and far. And we have it as a legacy, but you continue to do this. We rejoice in the growth because it's God who causes stuff to grow. And we celebrate your part of planting and watering. Man, I hope you're cheering at home. I can hear it, it's welling up. Tell me, you better be awake and you better be pumped. And I don't mean that as a demand. I mean it as an outplay. How could we not be in the midst of what we're seeing and what's going on, what God is doing? Let me give you this final picture. This is the Truskowski family. It's Mike and Michelle and their four kids, Kelly, Jordan, Matthew, and Summer. Kelly and Jordan had a sense of calling their high school students and they knew as we started the Muskegon campus, they wanted to be part of it. I don't know if it was a nudge, if it was simply seeing a need, but the two of them said every two weeks, we'll go out and we'll serve in kids out in Muskegon. We wanna be part of this. Mike and Michelle, their parents would then engage as well. And they would head out on the same weeks to go help with production. And their younger kids would come along watching the whole family cultivate a climate of serving. Not asking whether it's great or small, but asking what's the need. How can I help move us ahead in the mission God has for us? And a whole family said, we'll be part of what God's doing. I don't want you simply to see the activity though. I want you to get the heart. Paul writes these words and I kept thinking of their whole family with these in mind. He says this, so we cared for you. 
Because we loved you so much, we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel, but our lives as well. I think Mike and Michelle, I think all of their kids it said, we want to give life to other people around us. I think that's the heart we want to have in everything we do, that we're not simply saying, I'll do my part. Here's a role I can play. But God is calling me to be part of planting and watering. And it's God who will make it grow, but I will do it as I give my life to people, not simply an activity, not simply a communication about, but an investing in. That's the heart of what we want to be and who we want to be. And I know that's the heart of many of you as well, but we celebrate it even through this one beautiful story. Every one of these leads us to the same place. We rejoice when we see growth. When we see growth expansively, when we see growth deepening, when we see growth in serving and reaching out and caring for and going to hard places and investing in close places. Because God makes stuff grow. Because God makes stuff grow. We don't simply want this to be a moment of celebration. We want it to be a catalyst for where we go in the next season. We would say this, and this is my encouragement and challenge to you. We plant and we water. What that means is you and I are active. You and I are involved in this work. We're not simply attendees. It's not like we're observers, like you go to a sporting event, like you root on your team. We are on the team. The last thing we need is to have a big audience like at a football game where there's 70,000 people watching and getting too little exercise as 11, 22 people get overburdened. We are partners in this thing. We're not looking for an audience. We're looking to be the players. We're looking for you to be the players. We rejoice when we see growth because God makes stuff grow. We plant and we water, and that's what we're calling you to in this coming year. We celebrate, but we say, God, how do I engage in being radically loving and growing together in Christ? How do I be one that is, learns the art and the blessing of a neighbor? How do I build redemptive relationships? How do I help those in need? How do I be part of this global priority? How do I actually serve and impart life not just impart an activity to others. And when I do it, we're gonna ask God to make stuff grow. <laughs> we have no illusion that our activity does anything unless God makes it grow. I wanna encourage and challenge you both to celebrate and then to go, guess what? We're celebrating what God's done. Let's get after planting and watering in his kingdom. But before I close, before I pray over you and before we give you kind of this wonderful exclamation of blessing. I wanna give you this final picture from this wonderful feast. They built these little tents, these sukkahs they're called, that were an image of how Israel lived in the wilderness. And they would do this even in Jerusalem, be reminded of these small tents built. And it's a picture for you and me of the life of the church. Because Jesus, there was this physical temple that God lived in, and then the, the temple becomes the people of God. In essence, these tents are an image of our temporary lives that God dwells in us. God doesn't just come to forgive us, though he does. He comes to give life and bring life and bring purpose to let us become people that plant and water, that bring his love and freedom to others through the power of his spirit. And I don't want to miss saying to any of you who today would go, I want to be part of this. Man, you want to tell you the best thing you can sign up for? It's the life of the church. It's to be a follower of Jesus. 
And so I wouldn't want to pass by just having you pray with me. If you're in that place, they maybe God's stirring you and you're going, this is better than anything I've worked for before. Man, for the God of the universe to live in my life and let me be part of a world-changing plan and project, I want that. And let me pray with you and pray these words with me if you want to respond today. Lord Jesus, I receive your love and forgiveness. And I ask for your power to live in me and your new life that I would plant and water and you would cause things to change. Give me hope and freedom and new life in your name. Amen.